And I'm Lyle Southwell, and this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. You are with Monica Galash as well. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's a, it has that for a formal introduction to our Encounter with God so section. So fancy. What have you got for the first clue for our quiz there, Mon? Maybe the first. The second and third, fourth, third, 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 third clue. clue. Third clue for our quiz. Wait, let me get to the right page here. Okay, clue number three. What am I? One of these was placed in front of the entrance to the tabernacle. One of these was placed in front of the entrance to the tabernacle. Just let me go over those three clues again. You are not to have steps that led to this. Noah built one of these. And one of these was placed in front of the entrance to the tabernacle. Give me a call if you know the answer. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. You will get a lovely copy of the book Be Exultant, which is a study on the book of Psalms with the exalting um, Psalms, the section of the book of Psalms that's... About exaltation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exaltation, that's what I'm looking for. Okay, 1 800 324 843 is the number to call, or you can text us on 0491 if you know the answer, or if you want to have a crack at answering the question. You can send your message through, and we will see if you got it right or not. Yeah. Yeah, of course, don't forget, and uh, we'd like to remind you on this about this on occasions, that if you are struggling with a weak signal in your area, the best way to listen to Faith FM is on your phone. So just download the TuneIn Radio app, make sure you get the free version, run it through your Bluetooth or your auxiliary cord, and you will have perfect Faith FM wherever you go. Indeed. You will never drive away from the signal, nope. pretty much. Or you can give us a call here and just pester us to get a better signal out to you. You yeah. could do that as well. That's my we would love to have. We would love to have the live show. Um, or a stronger signal everywhere. Maybe you've even got a piece of land somewhere that is elevated land and you would like to put a transmitter on your property. That would be great. Yeah, we, yep. uh, we, we've done a number of uh, transmitter sites just like that where people have found out about it and gone, you know what, I, have, I own a mountaintop. Come and put it right here. And so we have. We love those people. We do indeed. We really do, yeah. Yeah, we're very grateful toward them. Absolutely. Anyway, our Bible study today is kind of super controversial. It is. 20 it million is. moving gets controversial. It's going to get very controversial Tell today. Tell us all about it. We are going to talk about yes. capital punishment. Ooh. Well, maybe not so much capital punishment. No, that's probably the, that's the wrong word. No, no, no. Not, not capital punishment. We're going to talk about um, physical punishment. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. I think yeah. that might actually be a little bit more controversial, to be honest. You know, it's an interesting thing. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. People get more emotional about physical punishment uh, than they do about capital punishment. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think because there's a bunch of grey area with physical punishment. With capital punishment, either you do or you don't. There's not really a grey area. You can't like yeah. half kill someone. So, uh, so our topic for the discussion today is spanking. Okay. Um, do you believe in spanking? Do you not believe in spanking? Why is that the case? Um, our number to call is 1-800-324-843. This would be a great subject for you to give us a call and for you to share your thoughts on whether we should spank our children or not. Is this a form of discipline or is this a form of abuse? What are your opinions on the subject? I think that's the other reason why it's so controversial. It comes under the, um, under the, under the category of parenting and parenting is all, always such a, such a landmine, really, isn't it? Because people have such different views on how to raise kids and what produces right. the best results. And it's an area in which a tremendous amount of emotion gets involved um, and very little research. That's true. So this is, a, this is a discussion that is based primarily on emotion and not research. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, 
Call us up. Let us know your research. And it so because really takes into effect the imperfection of the parents. Indeed, very much so. And we need to recognise that uh, for those of us who are parents, that as parents we certainly have those imperfections. But uh, mind you're well qualified to talk on this because you have... Um, so many kids. So many kids. <laughs> no, you, we can't pin you down as being a bad parent. We can't say That's it. Mon is a terrible parent. Mm-hmm. So Mon, I would use the most of this opportunity uh, to oh, wax yeah. eloquent and tell everybody how to raise their kids. <laughs> Thank you, Lyle. I will. <laughs> now sit down, everyone, and take notes. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to look at what the Bible says on this subject. Let's begin in, uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. We'll start with this one. We'll start off a little bit easy, and then we'll get into some of the more challenging verses. And for some of you, there are going to be some verses here that are going to challenge your thoughts, and I am hopefully going to be able to give some context uh, to those thoughts. Okay, Proverbs chapter 17, you said... Chapter 10 and verse 17. Okay, my bad. I was doing 17 verse 10. A bit of spoonerism on a Monday morning. Why not? Let me go to 10 and verse 17, which says, People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. Okay, so that's a very simple verse right there, very Very plainly stated. Uh, What it does uphold is that discipline is absolutely necessary to happiness in life. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly for children, it's necessary for us as adults. But when it comes to raising children, it is particularly necessary that we discipline our children so that they can learn self-discipline. Yes, absolutely. Self-control. That's right. That's discipline. Self self-discipline is learnt by being disciplined. disciplined. Yeah. And of course, we have a large portion of society today that uh, um, lets their children come up by themselves rather than being brought up, and parents who you know negate their parental responsibilities and pass their parental responsibilities over to you know a computer game or a television screen or something like that, and expect uh, the technology to raise their children. Or they send them off to school and expect teachers to raise them. And then when they turn into criminals, they call the police and they expect the police to raise them simply because they have not done this themselves. That's correct, yeah. And uh, that is a very large part of the tragedy of our society today. And really, we do need to have training for parents in how to discipline their children because, you know, the Bible says that God disciplines us. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and Discipline. That's what he says. He chastens us. And that's a, that's a, a, a word there, discipline, chastening, that actually carries the connotation of physical punishment with it. And I think as adults, if we were actually honest and a bit of soul searching, I think we would admit that we wish that we'd been disciplined properly as kids because then we would have a better and easier time as adults. What adult do you know today that wouldn't love a little more self-control, a little more ability to stick to their goals, whether it's, you know, diet or exercise or life goals or finance goals, whatever it is, you know, they would love to have a bit more self-control in and of themselves. And if they realized, you know, they did a bit of soul surgery and realized that the the discipline they have an adult as an adult is connected to the discipline they received as a child. They might be a little bit more welcoming of that discipline as uh, you know, if, if in in the child stage. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter twenty three, verse thirteen and fourteen, and we will start to raise the bar here a little bit in the area of controversy. Um, so yes, our number is one eight hundred three two four eight four three. If you would like to weigh in on the subject of discipline, 
Should we spank our children or not? What does the Bible say in Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14? 13 and 14 says, Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. Wow. Okay, that's a pretty plain statement right that's there. very plain. And very politically correct, almost illegal in today's uh, world today. Um, you know, and, and of course, uh, there are strenuous efforts to make what the Bible says here to be illegal. Did the Bible get it wrong? No, not at all. Why do you say that, Mon? Because <laughs> it's the Bible, for one thing. And the second thing, we've seen the results of kids who weren't disciplined. We've also seen the results of kids that have been abused. That's true. Physically abused, beaten up. That's true, but this isn't condoning physical abuse at all. So what's the difference between abuse and discipline? You know, if your child is doing something wrong and you beat them for it, where do you draw the line? What is the difference between where it goes from being disciplined to being abuse? Well, where did you draw the line when you raised your boys? Yeah, I just asked you this question. And you're you're stu- the parent. All right. So uh, this is this is there are a number of places where you draw the line. The first line that you need to draw is what is in your heart, what is in your mind when you touch your child. Mm-hmm. Do you have anger anywhere within you? Are you lashing out? Have you lost your patience? Are you upset? Are your emotions under control? And if your emotions are not under control, if there is any seed of anger anywhere in you at any way, place, form, whatever, then that is not discipline. That is abuse. But if your emotions are in control and the one great motivating factor that is behind your actions is love, then it goes from being abuse to being discipline. And that's the big difference between these two things. And so often as parents, we negate our responsibilities. Our children get, you know, more and more ratty until the point that we lose the plot with them. Yeah, we lose control. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. It doesn't really send a good message when, um, you know, you see your parents attempting to discipline their kids who have lost control by they themselves losing control and spanking them. Like yeah, when you, you see just, that you just, snap you just, and yep. the anger and then the smacking, like it's like, well, what example do you think you're really setting right now? You have just modeled to your children how to lose control, mm-hmm. how to be out of control. And this is one of the challenges that parents face because discipline is hard work. It's really, really one of the most challenging um, parts of parenting. I think that, you know, particularly in those first three years that any parent can ever go through uh, because kids are looking for, children are looking for security. And it's discipline discipline that gives them the security they need to be happy. And what happens is we don't like to discipline. There is nothing more miserable than disciplining your children. And so we put off disciplining, and so our children get worse and worse and worse, and we keep putting it off and putting it off and saying, don't do that, don't do that, and we start to nag our children. And we nag our children rather than disciplining them, and then what happens is that we reach the point where we lose it because nagging is never going to work. You can tell a child a 100 times over, don't do that. They're still going to do it. That's never going to have any effect on your children. Um and so uh, we nag it to the point that we start to to lose it. And, uh, and then, of course, when we lose it, our discipline has no effect at all. And I can speak this from experience. There have been occasions when I have lost it with my kids and I have disciplined them in anger. And disciplining in anger has no impact on that child whatsoever, 
at all, except that you model to them how to lose your temper. Mm. So true. It's very true. So I want, to, I want us to, uh, to go to another verse here that is super important in relationship to this one. Uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 16. I think this is the right verse. And verse 32 and th- verse 32. Proverbs 16 and verse 32. Proverbs 16 and verse 32. I have a lot of verses here out of Proverbs today. It's a good book. Better to be patient than powerful. Better have better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Okay, and so in, in my translation expresses the thought that um, a person who has patience is the stronger of, you know, the, the, than a person who has physical strength. And a person who has self-control is more powerful and that power is greater than a person who can conquer an entire city. Amen. And so the greatest uh, character, you know, trait that we can have here in this verse that is outlined in this verse is self-control. And this is so important to parenting. So let me give you an illustration of uh, of discipline and how it works. Have you ever played Blind Man? Uh, blind Man's Bluff? You know, where you get the one person in the room, you blindfold them and they have to tag everybody else in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So much fun. But when you put the blindfold on, and kids love to play this game because you're ducking and weaving and you're on the floor and you're jumping and trying to, to miss those outstretched hands and you've got the poor person who's in the middle of their arms outstretched, they're trying to tag everybody. But when you're playing blind man, when you first put that blindfold on, there is a sense of insecurity, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And so what you'll often find is the person with a blindfold on will, will stagger around the room a bit, they're feeling insecure, and they will feel for the walls. That's true. And once they find the walls and they've got a sense of where the walls are, they now have a sense of security, don't they? That's true. Now imagine if you are playing this game Blind Man, and you've got to run around and you feel where the walls are, you found the walls, but then suddenly as you're feeling one of the walls, walls it moves. You'd be really insecure. How secure? And then you feel another wall and it moves. And every time you touch a wall, it moves. You'd be scared. You'd be wouldn't You're going to be super. You'd be moving very slowly. Insecure. Yeah. You'd be moving very slowly because you wouldn't you'd be concerned about running into a wall that suddenly moved. So let me tell you about children and about discipline. Children are always looking for security. The security is given to them by the walls of protection that you create around them. And those walls of protection revolve around the words no and don't. Right? Mm-hmm. So no, don't touch the fireplace. No, don't run out on the road, etc., etc. What happens is that because we don't want to discipline our children, if we see them doing something that is not life-threatening, we nag them. And so we say, basically, if you do this, this is the discipline that you will receive. When you say that to a child, you need to understand that the child is going to do that. And the reason that they're going to do that is because they are trying to find the wall. They're insecure and they're looking for the wall. They're looking for some security. And so they do it so that when you then discipline them, they know where the line is. They know where the wall is. Every time they do it and you don't discipline them, what's happening is you are pulling the wall away from them every time they touch it. And so what are they going to do? Keep pushing, keep pushing. They're going to keep pushing it. and pushing and pushing because that, and, and it will reach a point of desperation. And you will often see this with young children. They have actually reached a point of desperation in their disobedience. 
And the reason they've reached the point of, of desperation in their disobedience is because there is no boundary that is giving them any sense of security. They're incredibly insecure and you are increasing their insecurity. So let's think about the um, the model that God gives to us in relationship to um, discipline. If we go to the Garden of Eden, God said, if you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will happen? Uh, you will die. Okay, so there's a no don't eat. No, don't eat, fr- eat, eat, eat the uh, fruit of the tree of the Garden of Eden. So in other words, God puts a wall there, right? This is the wall. This is where it is. You don't touch this tree, right? That's, that's our wall. Mm-hmm. And so then Eve comes up to the wall and Satan is there and Satan says, no, God, God, God won't kill you. Look at me. Here. I'm here in the tree. You know, You will not surely die. So what Satan has done is he has pretended that the wall has moved. And so God's message is this. If you do something wrong, there are consequences to sin. Satan's message is this. If you do something wrong, there are not consequences for sin. Now think about how you raise your children. If you, cho- if you tell your children, if you do this, there will be consequences. If you say that, but then you do not give consequences, whose model are you following, God's or Satan's? Because Satan said, you shall not surely receive consequences. God said, you shall surely receive consequences. The moment that you draw a line in the sand, the moment that you build a wall, the moment where you you say "This, this far and no further... You create a sense of security for your children, but then the moment that you move that wall or delete that wall, what you have told your children is there is no consequences for doing wrong and you are raising your children to be servants of Satan. That's so profound. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the simple reality of it. did research in the United States many, many years ago. You wouldn't be allowed to do it these days, uh, where they took some schools and uh, they removed all the fences around the schools. They replaced, the, they replaced the fences with um, with plain clothed, you know, people to just keep an eye on the kids and make sure they didn't run on the street. And did the, the kids moment, all run away? No, the exact opposite happened. Really, the kids clung to the school buildings. They were ratty. They were insecure. They couldn't concentrate in their studies. They couldn't play properly. They got on each other's nerves. They fought with each other, and the discipline vanished out of the school. They put the fences back. Problem solved. Wow. You see, children need clear-cut boundaries. It creates security for them. And the only way that they're going to know where the wall is, where the boundary is, is if you discipline your children. If you say, no, don't, and then follow that up with action. With actual actions. I'm, I'm ranting on a little bit too much. No, this it's morning, great. I know. But... Um, you know, I'm an imperfect parent, and I'm the first to put up my hand and say, "Hey, I'm an imperfect parent." But there are some things that I have learned about parenting, and I am hoping that I'm able to pass on to you some of the things that I have learned. And you know, as a human being, we need to all recognize our brokenness, but we should always aspire to do our best. And that's really what it's all about. It's not about being a perfect parent. It's about aspiring to do what is best. And the Bible says, if you discipline your child, he won't die. Don't worry about it. 
You know, crying is a sign of a healthy child. If a child does not cry, you need to take that child to hospital because that child is obviously very, very ill. Um, crying will not kill a child. No child has ever yet died of crying. Um, we are afraid of crying children, but we need to be less afraid. We need to be more afraid that they'll grow up to be undisciplined. This is JJ Heller. dreams crazy as they may seem go chase all the stars in the sky baby I'll be paving the runway cause I know that one day you're gonna fly was JJ Heller with Paving the Runway. You're going to fly here on Faith FM. Mon, what have you got for us for another clue for our quiz? Nobody's got it yet. Yes, it's a really great quiz actually very, this morning. It's very quiet this morning. It is, it is actually 
quite obscure. I-, I thought someone would have called in by now with the wrong answer, but yeah, that second clue that no one built one of these is is um, it's not what you think it is in that case. <laughs> uh, but does still start with an A. Uh, anyway, <laughs> giving my extra clues. Wow, there. they're coming out <laughs> thick and fast here this morning, Mon. Okay, clue number four. A Donijar clung to the horn of this, hoping Solomon wouldn't kill him. Yep, that's just getting more obscure by the clue. And I got to tell you, the last clue is actually oh, the last clue is, is a bit more obvious, a bit more obvious. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll share the ne- uh, the last clue next. Okay, so really, yes. Okay, what? is there only the, the last clue? We one more do clue. Next? We'll do it right before we do question of the day. Why don't we? Why don't we do a different one next? What do you mean? <laughs> you said we'll do the last one next. Yeah. What other one would we do next? Well, we could do the second last one next, but there isn't a second last one next. Last if it was one the second next. last one, it wouldn't be the last one. That's what I'm saying. Next, coming up next. All right, is the last all right, clue. all right, all right. We have no more yes, clues. I is what I'm saying. What saying. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. right. Okay, where are we going? Proverbs chapter. Did we do 29 verse one yet? We did not, but let's do it. Let's do it. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse one. We have a controversial subject here: uh, discipline of children. Should we spank children or not? Proverbs 29, verse 1. Let's find out what does the Bible, Bible actually say. actually really clear about it. I don't know why it's such a uh, controversy or even a question. 29, verse 1 says, Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. That's a strong... Wow. You know, Solomon doesn't really hold back, does He's he? He's not mincing any words here. He just... And this is the thing I love about, you know, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and... And, and whatnot is that proverb that, that Solomon has reached that point in his life where he's like, you know what? A lot of people are going to be offended by this. Tell it straight. But this is how it is. Yeah. I a- have lived it. I've been there. I've experienced it. I know it. And so I'm just going to state it as it is. It's incredible to think that if he were alive and writing this now, like he would just be crucified for offending oh, all the snowflakes imagine, left, right, and center. Imagine mm. the snowflakes that would be melting if they were. Uh, yeah. Listening to what Solomon if this had got to, published today, it would, it would be the end yeah. of the world. Yeah. It would just be like yeah. life is over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the Bible says, if you refuse discipline, you're going to come to sudden destruction one day. And this is something that we all need to take note of. Um, you know, this is not just talking about children. It's not, ta- but it, it, it is talking about children because our children need to learn to receive discipline to be successful in life. But it's also talking about us because God disciplines us at times. And it's not so much punishment as it is direction. That's correct. Yeah. And correction. Yeah. And that's what discipline should always be. It should be an effort to direct and to correct us as a person. I want to read for us verse 15. Of the same book. Same book, same chapter, verse 15. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Okay, so discipline creates what does it say here? Uh, discipline produces wisdom. Yes, and an undisciplined child does what to her? To, hit, to Disgraces his, his mother. Indeed. And, and this is something that you will often find is that, and it breaks my heart because I see mothers who are ashamed yeah, and disgraced to take their children anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, they won't bring their children to church. They don't like to take their children shopping. Um, they want to get you know send their children off to childcare and off to school so that they can you know hold the teachers accountable instead of themselves. And really, what it is is parents failing to be parents. Parents need to parents need to actually start parenting. 
That's right. They need to take responsibility for the fact that they have children and that they have a God-given responsibility to raise those children. And, you know, we actually actually see this, you know, in supermarkets and that kind of thing where you see, um, you know, a child misbehaving and the, you can see the embarrassment on, their mother's, on the mother's face. And, and, I, and I, I think it's terrible that society has made discipline such a... Uh, like a controversial taboo thing that mm-hmm. people don't feel like they can discipline their child anymore in public. That's right. And kids are smart. You have they play no idea how yeah. smart kids are. The moment that you step into a supermarket, they are going to play up. The moment you pick up the phone, they are going to play up. The moment you walk into church, they're going to play up because they have learnt that these are safe places where they can play up and they won't be disciplined. Not so much safe, but these are places where they can get away with it. Yes, they're safe yeah. for them, safe from discipline for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, safe from discipline. Yeah. And, uh. Which is a shame because I often, like, when I see the mothers all embarrassed and, you know, giving up on doing their shopping and just leaving early because their kids being a, being a monster, I feel like saying, do you know what? Just do what you would do at home. I'm not going to dump on you. <laughs> yeah, and for and for those parents who have small children and uh, would like to be part of a church, just a, a couple of uh, pointers. When our children were born, we took them to church from when they came home from hospital. Mm-hmm. They've never known any different. And when children learn to go to church, this is one of the things that they learn. It's like we have this uh, day a week where I'm expected to be reasonably quiet for an hour. It's good for children to learn that discipline. Yeah, I actually know a couple who um, who – in, like every day, uh, just sit their kids down at about uh, eleven or noon, and they just have an hour where they just do quiet reading, and it gets them in the habit of just having that quiet hour in the middle of the day. So when yeah. they get to church, nothing unusual for them. Yeah, yeah, it's good discipline for children. There is nothing more valuable than a child can learn than de- delayed gratification. And the other thing, we, one of the other things we did was we sat down the front. We did not sit up the back. We sat in the front. Lot less distraction when you're sitting in the front and the children are looking forward than sitting at the back and they're looking at every single other person who is in front of them, turning around and smiling at them and pulling goofy faces at them. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of hard whenever they play up to have you know somebody in the in the pew in front of you turn around and pull a goofy face at your kids, and uh, and then of course we used the cry room not as a place to go and hide from everybody because our children were messing up, but a pla- as a place to discipline our children and then bring them back to church. Yeah. Because if you use it as a place where, oh, I'm going to go and hide because my children are messing up, then children are very quickly going to learn, great, as soon as we get to church, I'm going to mess up so I can go to the cry room and then I can just play for the rest of the service. And they yeah. never, ever learn delayed gratification. They never, ever learn uh, to be able to sit still or to be quiet or otherwise. I like the whole idea of sitting in the front because you often see the back pews, the ones that are reserved for mothers with kids, right? Should be the other way around. Yeah. You know, march those kids out in front of the uh, the, <laughs> the rest of the audience and they might feel a little bit ashamed. I don't know. But at the same time, I do need to say this and say it as strongly as I can. Children playing up in church should be welcomed because if you don't have children playing up in church, you don't have children in church. Yeah, that's right. And we should welcome mothers. We should welcome them. We should give them all, and, and, and fathers, I should say, as well. We should give them all the support that we possibly can, um, you know, in, 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 in their choice to bring their children to church. Because it, is, it can be challenging at times. And, of course, the supermarket is, uh, if you're not a church-going person, the supermarket is, a, is another extension of that. And children very quickly learn. And you will notice it in the moment you walk into church, pick up the phone or go to the supermarket, how ratty your children automatically become. Let's read Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. Very significant verse right here. Proverbs 
13 verse 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Okay, the rod of discipline uh, is a reference, a very, very clear reference to spanking. Mm. And a very strong statement right here that, you know, if you do not discipline your children, you hate your children. And so let me just let me just outline very quickly how I dealt with the issue of spanking. Uh, how Shell and I dealt with the issue of spanking when our children were young. Um, we always made a point of never ever spanking before we had sat down with our children because we spanked our children. Uh, I'm going to say that on air. I know that's politically incorrect and you can come and throw them in jail for it, but whatever. I'm going to put it out there because we spanked our children. But we did not ever lash out at our children. We would take our children aside. We would sit them on our lap. We would hold them close. We would explain to them, this is what you did wrong. And because you did this wrong, these are the consequences. And then we would have prayer with them. And then we would bring them to the point where they would you know, confess that they had done wrong and there would be a spanking and we would hold them close and they would cry and we would tell them how much we loved them. And when you discipline in love, there is nothing more Powerful. It is the most powerful thing that you can do, and you will see your children transformed, changed by disciplining in love. If you lash out, if you let yourself get angry, if you feel you know that anger come in you, and you reach out and it's like whack around the back of the ear uh, when your children do wrong, it will have no effect on them, and that is abuse. And I would say that ninety nine percent of uh, physical punishment that takes place um, is abuse rather than discipline. But physical punishment done right and done in a godly way with God at the center of it and love as the motivating factor is uh, the most powerful thing that you can do and it is God's way. We're going to move on. Uh, we're going to, This is uh, Holly Dunn with uh, Daddy's Hands. This is a really powerful message in this song right here. I want you to listen to it carefully as uh, Holly Dunn brings it to us. Thank you.
Part of camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18, Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email greynomads at adventist.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. tears away and I felt the pain of heartbreak and I've seen the brighter days and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place and I have held your blessings God you give and take away no matter what I have your grace is enough and no matter where I am I'm standing On the mountains I will bow my life to the one who set me there In the valley I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there When I'm standing on the mountain I didn't get there on my own When I'm walking through the valley I know I am not alone Your God of the hills and valleys
my dreams get broken In you I hope again No matter what I know I'm safe inside your hands On the mountains I will bow my life To the one who set me there In the valley I will lift my eyes To the one who sees me there When I'm standing Back, guys, that was Doran Wells with Hills and Valleys here on Faith FM, and we have come to question of the day time. Have uh, we got another clue for our quiz, Demon? Yes, we have one last clue for this super hard quiz. What am I? Last one. This was used to make sacrifices and offerings to the Lord. So this was used to make sacrifices and offerings to the Lord. I think we all know what that is. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. 1-800-324-843. I'll give you the prize. Today, it's a copy of the book, um, Be Exultant, to study on uh, the Book of Psalms. But question of the day, Lyle. Yes. Uh, this has been coming in from one of our listeners. Uh, really great question. Uh, really hoping that I pronounce this all correctly. You might have to help me with the pronunciation. The second epistle of Peter, many speculate that the language used is way too academic in Greek Keone. Therefore, it couldn't have been Peter the author because Peter was illiterate, just a poor fisherman. He knew no Keone Greek and at such an academic level. So how do we explain that? And they said, thanks, Lyle. I appreciate it very much. Okay, this is a really good question. And higher criticism in uh, you know the last 100 years or so has basically tried to create arguments to deny the authorship of any of the books of the Bible by the people that claim to be the authors of those books. And so this is not something that we should be surprised at. Now, to say that Peter as a fisherman 
um, was illiterate would be a gross misunderstanding of Israelite culture. So in Greek culture, certainly peasants were not educated, but in in Jewish culture, peasants were educated. They did read and write. They had a very uh, high level of education compared to the nations around them. But then we don't find that he just we don't just find that he speaks and understands Greek, but we and and writes as well reads and writes. But we also find that Peter uses very high quality Greek, and so we have to ask ourselves the question: How does a poor fisherman accomplish this? Well, one of the first things that we need to take note of is that in Second Peter. Um, you will find in Second Peter chapter one and verse four that this is near the end of Peter's life when he writes this, and so this is about you know thirty-eight years after the ascension of Jesus Christ. That's a significant amount of time, and we all know that a person can make significant changes over thirty-eight years. Uh, if I look at my own life, for instance, uh, many people are surprised when I tell them that I had only seven years of education at school. Uh, but then, you know, when I went on to college, uh, they looked at my education record and like, well, you have to be on academic probation. I'm like, no, 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 no. I haven't flown halfway around the world to go on academic probation. Give me a full workload. And they're like, well, if you really want to go for it, go for it. And so I went for it and I didn't struggle at all. Um, and, and that was a blessing, a blessing from God. And so there is every possibility that Peter furthered his education. Um, I know many people who have grown up, you know, in very underprivileged uh, circumstances, you know, right at the bottom of the barrel here in Australia, and now have a PhD. You know, things change over a person's life. The other thing which I think is more significant is what it says in Acts chapter 4. It says in verse 13, Now when they, that's the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the ruling class, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And so here you have Peter who is um, giving, you know, he's proven himself to be both erudite and intelligent. He has surprised and shocked through his speech the leaders of the Jewish nation at this particular time. And so they were not, they were surprised. So it would be, if, if this is the case in the book of Acts, then if we went to Peter and found it was using very basic Greek language, these passages would not line up with each other. Our expectation from the book of Acts is that Peter is using very high high-class Greek with very well-put-together arguments. Where does this come from? Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak those languages. And so not only is there the opportunity for Peter to have furthered his education, there is also a very clear statement that the Holy Spirit had given these gifts to Peter. He is the main spokesman here in Acts chapter 2, the main one who is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so once again, if the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter, we would expect very clear arguments, very well-written arguments. And so when we look at the internal evidence uh, in the book of Peter, there is no internal evidence to suggest anything other than uh, Peter being the author of it. So a number of other small points. In First Peter, he calls himself Peter. In Second Peter, he calls himself Simon Peter. If you were a forger, you would be trying to match the first book. In fact, there were forgeries. There were five of them uh, that did come to existence in around the 4th century. And you do find this kind of uh, situation coming uh, through. 
Uh, Kruger states that there are 12 similarities between 1st and 2nd Peter. To believe that an author pretending to Peter would be able to weave such an intricate and subtle literary web is surely gratuitous. Any man that could do such without a co- with, would be a compositional genius with unspeakable abilities. And so that was his expert opinion looking at the two. Um, of course, you find that in uh, um, the Apostolic Fathers, you know, uh, reference and paraphrase Second Peter in at least 22 places. And so this is very early on, you know, 1st century, 2nd century, uh, Peter is being quo- 2nd Peter is being quoted with authority. Uh, then if we look at the issue of theological wheelbarrows, whenever a forgery comes into place, it is always there for the purpose of pushing a theological wheelbarrow. And the two big wheelbarrows at this particular time were Gnosticism and Roman Catholicism. And, of course, you find your later Peter uh, documents are often pushing one of the two of these. They're either pushing Gnostic principles or they're pushing the idea that Peter was the first pope. Whereas Peter doesn't present himself as the first pope, he, he presents himself as a as a contemporary with Paul. Um, he speaks about Jesus Christ, he uses casual language, um, his arguments are not forced, he simply gives a historical account of what has taken place. And his content, if you particularly look at Second Peter, is very similar content to the book of Jude, which shows that this is a first century theme. This is what you would expect from a first century epistle. So all of the evidence we have here is that Peter is the author of both first and second Peter. Very interesting stuff. If you have a question, give us a call now. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843.
Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, Carly Fletcher with a new creation here on Faith FM. Mon, yes. we've come to the end of the show. Time to give something away for free. And this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I have a really great book. It's called Christ's Object Lessons by E.G.Y. And this is a fabulous book. We're talking about parenting. We're talking about teaching our kids earlier in the segment uh, in the show today. And this is a great resource book um, to really, like, not just to educate yourself, but to educate uh, members of your family. So this is the stories of uh, the master teacher, Jesus himself, um, recounted in in this beautiful volume. They draw practical, down-to-earth lessons from the common scenes, objects, and incidents in life. Really so the great. Parables book. of Jesus. Yes. Christ a book all about the parables of Jesus. Yeah. Stories to live by. Yeah. Says. No, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a fantastic book, and uh, I put a, put together a uh, bit of a sermon series together on this one. It's a wonderful book. Yeah. Really great book. Be the first person to call us right now on one eight hundred Faith FM. It's one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you can snap up a copy of Christ's Object Lessons. Yeah, by I actually think that this one right here, out of uh, all of the Ellen White books that are out there, is probably my second favorite. Ooh, what's your first favorite? Great controversy. Okay, yep, yep. yep. Um, this one with yeah, this is definitely my second favorite, oh, and then and then probably uh, oh, Desire of Ages, Patriarchs and Prophets would come would be vying for third place. Yeah, yeah, I love Patriarchs and Prophets. Yeah, fantastic. Anyway, books right there. Call now, snap this book up. Christ Object Lessons, one eight hundred Faith FM. And if you'd like to know more about Jesus Christ, we also have a uh, Bible study series available on the life of Christ. Uh, you can get that through the Discovery Center and we can put you in touch with them. Just give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Let us know and we will make sure that you get an opportunity to study the Bible for yourself.
ਕੀ 